Hey, before we hop into this episode, let's talk about why your website and digital presence isn't working. Now, I know what you're thinking, Michael, we talk all about the websites all the time. You talk about the websites, the website's a hammer, yada, 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 we get it. But for real, though, it's shocking to me how much guesswork still takes place and how it's having a detrimental effect on what opportunities you are able to leverage. Now, over the last decade, especially for the OGDPBers, you know I've poured my soul into assembling a team that cares deeply about the progress of the retail auto industry, that believes in my mission to enrich and empower dealers to perpetually grow. Now I'm making my amazing marketing team accessible to the dealer playbook community so that you can start to thrive rather than merely survive. Right now, we're providing a just-for-you free website diagnostic that will show you exactly what you need to do in a priority sequence so that you can finally get the answers you need. Claim yours by visiting www.flexdealer.com forward slash website audit. That's www.flexdealer.com forward slash website dash audit. Hey gang, welcome to this episode of The Dealer Playbook, a podcast that explores what it takes to create a thriving career right here in the retail auto industry. I'm your host, Michael Cirillo, joined by my pal, Mike C-Rock. We're talking about how to turn setbacks into rocket fuel. Here we go. Look, each of us experiences setbacks, circumstances that we feel are beyond our control or ability to overcome. In business and in life, none of us could have seen a global pandemic coming. Many of us have suffered loss, pain, illness. Business owners have been forced to close or dramatically restructure how they operate. Perhaps you lost your job and are looking for new employment, or maybe you are struggling with limiting beliefs that are holding you back from achieving your definition of success. Whatever the case may be, you can turn setbacks into rocket fuel you can create a life that is bigger and bolder than you probably can ever comprehend. On this episode of The Dealer Playbook, I'm joined by Mike Searock, my pal from Clubhouse. He's featured by Yahoo Finance as one of the top business leaders to follow in 2020. He's the author of Rocket Fuel, Convert Setbacks, Become Unstoppable. My man, Mike, thanks so much for joining me on The Dealer Playbook Podcast. Right back at you, Mike. I like to start every interview with gratitude. Uh, You know, it's a big part of my life, but not just to be cliche, but I really want to genuinely thank you for allowing me to come on your show and share with you and your audience. And thank you to the audience for listening. Yeah, it's amazing, man. And and I've had the opportunity to to learn from you. Uh, We connected on Clubhouse. I, I am a ferocious note taker. Everybody knows that about me now. So I've taken a lot of notes and it's, it's been cool to kind of get to know you a little bit through that app and where your uh, sentiments are and your, your, just your vibe and your values. So I, I, I just think, you know, I'm, I'm super excited about this first, before we hop in, I have to say, uh, I see this testimonial on your website from the man, Grant Cardone. Uh, and it cracks me up because it's so Grant, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so Grant. You get like others have left reviews about your book and they're thought out and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're all about what you can gain as a reader of the, of your new book, Rocket Fuel. And then Grant, Rocket Fuel is for you. <laughs> and it just yeah. cracks me up because I'm like, that couldn't be any more Grant 
if he tried. And I just thought that was hilarious. Well, let me, let me clarify that a little bit because that is taken out of the forward that he wrote. So he wrote a forward for the book. um, And I, you know, I'll pull it up right here for a second, but for those of you, I don't know, I guess this is video as well watching. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see he wrote the forward of the book. And in there, the page, the forward's a couple pages long. So that's the last thing he wrote in the forward. It was at the bottom before he signed his name, Rocket Fuel is for you. So we just took that part out. Oh, okay, so just to, just to give him a little bit of a credit that he's not just a man of few <laughs> words, because we know that he's not a man of few words. He's, he, he, can, he can pull out as many words. That's the one thing that fascinates me about the guys. You, you could like wake him up from the deepest sleep and ask him, you know, like, Grant, what do I got to do to grow my business? And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then he just like rips out like, this. Like, uh, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and then he just goes on, he just rips out this diatribe. But that's amazing. Uh, and also, you know, super cool. This is almost like a full circle moment. Grant's been on the show several times. It's cool now to kind of meet more of the people in this ecosystem, you know, that are doing tremendous things that are, that have taken control of life, living life on their terms to a whole new degree. And I mean, somebody such as yourself that is now able to, you know, walk into a business or walk into a, 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 a circumstance and pinpoint, here's where this thing needs to change. Like, here's where this thing needs to, to be dialed in. I think that's tremendous. So on the topic though of, using or leveraging setbacks as rocket fuel. I want to I want to get basically start at the beginning. What are some of the most common challenges or setback setbacks that businesses face that that you've observed are holding them back from just like getting to that next level? All right. So, yeah, in business in general, let's start with sales. You know, sales people will have a situation where they don't close a deal they get a deal closed and then it falls apart um, and they will let that ruin their day, maybe their week or maybe their month. And it's okay to fail. Like people just need to understand this. And this is just goes across all avenues, whether it's relationships, business sales, what have you. It's okay to fail, but mastering failure is shortening the window from when you have that setback to when you get right back at it again looking for opportunities, get right back up on the horse, as they say, right? That window shortening is the most powerful thing you can do because everybody's going to experience setbacks. But most of the salespeople that you run into will, you know, they'll have this, this long length of time where they have this blow up period. They affect everyone around them in the business. And they also miss opportunities uh, to help people, uh, you know, customers. And so that for me is teaching people right from the bat. I came from a sales background. You know, I've been in sales since 1998. And that was one thing for me that was powerful is that when I didn't have something go my way, I didn't sit there and pout about it. I got like right back at it to try to recover as fast as possible. And that allowed me to blow past my competition because most people and most companies will be stuck in that phase. And, uh, you know, everything is, is ruined by that. So that's that. And business, same thing in business, a business owner, you know, look, when there's something that doesn't go right, employee problems, um, you know, uh, losing money, business slows down. You know, it's really all stems back to taking 100% responsibility, which gives you 100% control. Mm. People don't realize that, the link between responsibility and control. So, you know, that's what I w- where I would start with that. Yeah. And I love what you're saying here because I think, you know, even as I've looked at my own kind of entrepreneurial journey, um, the length of time, I love what you're saying here about the length of time between the failure and the bounce back. I've noticed just in my own journey as I've 
sought to learn and to apply and, you know, improve myself, that that has shortened. And it really paid off big in the crash of 08, 09, because that was when I first thought in my brain, okay, this certainly appears to be bad right now, but I know it will work to my ultimate advantage. And I remember giving myself like 48 hours to kind of sulk for a minute. And then I was like, and then I got to come out of this thing like a freaking cheetah, you know? And, but what I've also observed to your point is let's use business owners as the example. They spend way too much energy and way too much time focusing on what the setback was. How could this happen? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I love that you're bringing up like this, this like trajectory almost like, Hey, don't let this thing screw you up. It happened move past it. So what do you say to, to the mindset piece of this? How can people, cause it's gotta be a muscle, right? Like you're, you're developing yeah. this muscle. How do you get, how do you teach people to overcome the setback quickly? Well, first of all, if somebody is listening right now and they're in an adversity, the closer in proximity you are to adversity, the harder it is to see light at the end of the tunnel. If there is any, the less hope you have. So it's very difficult to get this concept when you're in that, in that frame uh, and basically what you need at that time is you just need to understand there's hope and as if it doesn't kill you, you're going to get through it. So just know that that, you know, keep pushing. And I have a saying thrust is a must. You have to like thrust forward and fast. And that's something that reminds me always that when I'm going through that tough time or that just let's go move, 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 move. Um, so first of all, when you're in that close proximity, get hope. If you're trying to help someone, don't try to teach them the rocket fuel law, which I'll explain to you in a second. Don't try to teach them that. Just give them some hope, get them moving. Now, if you're not in an adversity, the thing you need to understand in life, the things that stop us from accomplishing thing and things and having the life of our dreams is not the encouraging people. It's not the wins that we have. And it's not, you know, all the good stuff. It's all the bad, toxic stuff, discouraging people, setbacks, letdowns, screw ups of our own. And if we just imagine if there was a way to remove all that stuff and not just remove it, because I don't think that's good enough, actually taking it and storing it in your fuel tank instead of your trunk where it weighs you down. And converting it into rocket fuel for your future, it not just gets you through to where you want to go, but it gets you there faster. And so Grant and I had a conversation on my podcast about what would it take? He's always trying to make it. When will I make it? When will I make it? Right. And I, and I, I look at that as getting into outer space away from gravitational pull, right? That's making it to me, like getting away from, so nothing gravitational, no suppressors can actually pull you back. You're, you're too strong for that. And I asked him that question, what will it take to get into outer space away from gravity? And, you know, the, the conversation basically when he said that nobody's ready for that answer. Nobody really wants to discuss that. Uh, nobody likes to answer that. <laughs> That's question. what he always says. He, he's right? so humble. He doesn't think people want to hear what's going on in his brain. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I thought, started thinking to myself, well, rocket fuel gets you there. Because if you could take all that negative toxicity, which rocket mm. fuel is, it doesn't taste good. I'm sure I haven't tasted it. It doesn't smell good. It probably burn your hand if you touched it. Just like all this negative stuff that we deal with in our lives. But if you could somehow convert it into pushing you forward and thrusting you into outer space, that's what it's all about. So, you know, let me give you a little context on this. So the first far back as I can remember uh, that I used an incident and converted it into rocket fuel was when I was a young kid. I grew up in a broken home. I don't remember my parents together. And I would do the every other weekend thing like most people that had split up parents. And most cases, you're the only link between your mom and dad for them to have to communicate. And as they move on to other marriages, step-parents and all that, then add those agendas into the mix. There's a lot of conflict that starts to happen. 
And, you know, I dealt with this when I was eight, my mom decided to get married for the third time. And I decided to not go into another man's house and learn another man's rules. I decided to try my dad's house and he was on to his second marriage. And so the first point of that, the first part was okay. But then as I got into it, there was more conflict that was brewing up between my mom, my stepmom, my dad, all this stuff was going on and it was pouring down on us kids. And a lot of it was taken out on me. So I dealt with a lot of emotional, psychological abuse, threats. I used to sleep with a baseball bat a lot of nights when I was about nine years old, um, just because I was scared and, and not didn't have that security feeling. I didn't have that secure feeling. Mm-hmm. I still deal with a little bit of this today. These, these, this, it's, it's kind of like an anxiety, but it's more like security. Like I need, I'm always searching for security. Uh, so what, what I ended up doing was eventually I realized that this is not an ordinary situation. You, you kids shouldn't have to deal with this. So I told my mom about what was going on. And Mike, what's funny in an abusive situation, a lot of times you don't share being abused because you're afraid of, you know, looking stupid and embarrassed because you let it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, maybe you just don't believe or think you think that people will believe you. Maybe you're just, you know, dramatizing or the other one that's kind of funny is you're kind of worried and concerned about the abuser and what's going to happen to them. Some weird stuff that goes on through your head when you're in those situations. So Anyway, my mom told me that she was going to file court papers, but I could not flip or flop, flip flop back and forth. Right. I had to stick to my guns because if she did that, she didn't want to be left hung out to dry if they talked me out of it. And she warned me that they would try. So I, you know, I took that as being stubborn. You got to make sure you're stubborn, unyielding. It's my favorite word, by the way, unyielding. So uh, I, I, my dad eventually got these court papers served to him after weeks and weeks would go by. And uh, I came home one day from school and the tension in the room was just like packed. So, you know, something was going on. I knew it. And my dad, who, who was my hero, had his own masonry business, brick, block, concrete, real successful. I always looked up to him for his hard worker. He was, his hands were real rough and his forearms were real big. He was always tan. It's like one of the, the three sun. professions of us Italians, right? That's right. That's right. And <laughs> if you know anything about masons and Italians, they used to, they don't carry a wallet. They carry a wad of a hundred dollar bills with a rubber band around it. And uh, I lo- he used to flash it all the time. I, I thought it was cool. So when he got these papers and I, I came home from school, he sent me to my room and I waited for him to come back and confront me. And I was about a 10 and a half, I think at the time. And when he confronted me, I, I, I was just sitting there waiting. Like I had no idea what's going to happen, but it's going to be bad. Right. And he said, you know, it says here, you want to move in with your mom. I don't understand this. You have everything you need here. Your mom's poor. She's on to her third husband. There's men coming in and out like, and just paint this picture. Right. Right. And I just didn't even get into discussion with him. I remember my mom said, stick to your guns. I said, no, I made my mind up. He said, are you sure? I said, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, no, because he was kind of denying what was going on. I mean, there must be fights. I mean, it was, it was bad. Right. Yeah. So he said, okay. So he takes that wad of hundred dollar bills. I just mentioned out peels one off, crumples it up and throws it at me and says, here, you're going to need this. Then when you're living on the streets with your mother one day. Now hearing that the stubbornness in me kicked in and I'm like, you're not going to dictate my future. You know, it's funny. I'm wearing a control the future shirt today. Uh, I, I like to control my future. I like to be in, in control and responsible of my future. And at that, even at that young age, I, I just knew that that wasn't going to need that money. But I will tell you ever since that moment, that was a spark that was lit for 30 some years. I was driving off of that force, driving off of that, converting in that into, there was a lot of rocket fuel in that, in that moment. And, and anytime things get tough, I would use it to get me to the next level, get through it or what have you. So Two years ago, I was going through a tough time in business. 
And I, I had to do a little self-assessment and really self-check to figure out why in my life, no matter what happened to me, do I keep rising? Like, why does my graph still go up no matter what? Relationships, work, it doesn't matter. My own screw-ups. I figured it out. The formula was I was taking all that stuff and doing what I told you, storing it in my tank where I could use it as fuel instead of my trunk where it would weigh me down. And I became unstoppable. And the awareness of that, once I became aware is what was powerful, my graph started to shoot straight up instead of just gradual. That's why I had to write the book Rocket Fuel to get it out to people because I'm the type of person when I find something that works, I'm like an evangelist about it. Yeah. So that's a little background and context on that. I think it's tremendous. Um, and, and you're right. Like this is a total mindset thing. You you mentioned the word unyielding. When did you grow an affinity for that word? Like when did you when did you finally articulate for yourself that that is a word that you love and what does it mean to you? So I was always told that I was a hard head and stubborn as a kid. And I thought that was a bad thing. And it would be told to me in, in anger most of the time by my stepmom or my dad. And now that I look back on it, I'm so proud of that damn word. And I looked up the definition one day of stubborn and it says in a Merriam-Webster dictionary, perversely unyielding mm. is the definition of stubborn. Now that could be the wrong thing when it's on the wrong thing, right? But then I looked further and I was reading a book by L. Ron Hubbard the other day and it said a word inexorable. And I'm like, what the heck does this mean? And I'm the kind of guy that looks up words because my stepfather who stepped in to be my dad when I was 11, George, who soon, who's since passed, um, he used to tell me, you need to read more. You need to read more. And I would, uh, I would stop books. I would quit books in, in, in the middle of the book or the quarter of the way through. I didn't know why. And he told me, he said, you're quitting the books because you don't understand the words you're reading. Mm. And, and I was like, what? So I would ask him, well, what's this word mean? And he'd say, go look it up. And it wasn't a Google thing. It was dictionaries back in the day, actually, because <laughs> right. of the dictionaries, like encyclopedias, right? Yeah. So I would look up words and then I, I, I started doing that as a kid and I started reading more and then I would be able to finish books because I understood what I was reading and it was powerful. That was a powerful message. So I looked up this word, inexorable, I-N-E-X-O-R-A-B-L-E, inexorable. And that word is unable to be stopped, unyielding. And I'm like, holy cow, that's my new word. Mm. because stubborn sometimes, you know, has a negative connotation Inexorable, People have no idea what the hell that means. So now they're going to go look it up and they're going to be like, wow, that's powerful. So be inexorable towards anything you want to accomplish in life. And I think that's the title of my next book I'm working on. Inexorable. Yeah, I'm with you like stubborn. Stubborn. uh, I've heard in my household several times. (laughs) Stopping like a mule. Growing right? up, yeah. Man, yeah. He's so hard-headed. What's the matter <laughs> with this guy? He's not, you know, all this kind of stuff. But I love, I love that. Unstoppable. I wonder how often, though, like I think of my own past, my own, you know, story, how easy it has been at times to stop me. And then reverse engineering who that version of me was to who I am today, because I am I, like my mantra is don't wait, dominate, like go get it done, you know, put your head down and freaking run through walls to make success happen for yourself. Yeah. Um, do you find, though, the correlation between being easily stoppable and being unstoppable is that we just maybe haven't gained clarity about where we want to go? Uh, yeah, I would say it has something to do with clarity. It has something to do with commitment and it has something to do with consistency. 
three C words. That just mm. so happens. C rock has three C words. Uh, no, but uh, you know, really when it comes down to that, you de- definitely need to be clear on what you want because if you're not clear, then you have no idea what direction to go. Right. You, and by the way, clarity on where you're going. And most people miss this one, Michael, most people miss clarity on where they currently are. You mm. see assessment leads to elevation assessment of where you are, which is your point a, so that you know how far you have to go to get to your point B. Yeah. If you don't know how that distance extends, you don't know what you're going to take to bridge that. So most people miss this. When your finances, your health, your relationships, you need to assess regularly those areas in your life that matter to really get clear and find out really where you are. So that would be the first thing, clarity. Consist, I'm sorry, commitment's the next thing. Most of the time, people are stopped because they're not really committed. You know, I was on an airplane over the, the weekend coming back from Scottsdale and I was on the Wi-Fi and I got a, a text that said my plane was going to be delayed. My next connection flight home is going to be delayed for two hours. And I already had three hour wait, three hour layover. So I was going to be five hours. And I thought to myself right away, take time out of the equation. All right, get on, get on a rental car, get a rental car, drive from Philly to Salisbury, two and a half hour drive. I'll be home before the plane takes off easily, save myself time. And so I made that move quickly, but my bag was on this plane and I knew the bag was going to go on a connection to the next flight and I need to get my bag. And I asked the uh, flight attendant, how can I get my bag? He's like, no, nah, they don't do that. You're going to have to go to the airport, and pick it up because they're going to take it to the next plane. I said, hmm, right. that's kind of funny because I know if I was sick and there was medicine in that bag and I needed it, they would get that damn bag. Right. So I knew to myself, I'm running this through my head. And this is the commitment part, by the way, I'm, I'm painting the picture for commitment. I was committed to getting that bag. So I said to myself, and I told the lady next to me, I said, watch, I'm going to get that bag. Because <laughs> her and I had been talking about inexorable, and I was talking about rocket fuel, and I was ta- we had a conversation for a couple of hours prior to that. Right. And she, she laughed, and she said, you're not going to lie, are you? I said, no, I don't need to lie. I just know that if I was sick and I needed medicine in that bag, they would get it. So there is a way to get it. So then uh, I said, so watch me. <laughs> and she was laughing. She's like, there's no way. American Airlines doesn't do that, you know. They did, you know, they had their policies. I said, ah, well, listen, I, I'm a different than most people. <laughs> now, I'm not going to be a jerk, by the way. Yeah. You right. know, I, I just, I just go and handle the situation, be committed to it to find the answer. So I go out there and, and I said, hey, I need to get my bag. I, I'm going to be sitting here five hours. I'm going to drive instead. I don't think we could do that, sir. I said, okay, well, let me see. You just said, I don't think we can do that. So that means that you probably could possibly do it. So let's figure out a way to get this done. And she made a call and we got the bag because I was committed. But if I would have listened to the first person and I wasn't committed, right. of course I would have, I would have been yielding instead of unyielding. Mm. So commitment. Anytime you're not getting something you want, you got to check your commitment. And then from there, the next thing is what steps are you doing consistently enough to get to where you want to go? Consistency is the most boring thing in the world. Yeah. I agree with you. If anybody says, yeah, but I don't want to do that. It's boring. And while you're being consistent, you don't see the success you're having necessarily. Yeah. You know, and so consistency, there's a formula. The consistency is greater than your emotions. Consistency matters more than your emotions. So when you don't feel like doing something, you got to be consistent anyway. When it's hard, doesn't matter. You got to do it anyway. And that is how you get 100% participation from yourself because you know you're going to do it when it's easy and you know you're going to do it when you feel good. So just focus on the times you don't feel good. And when it's hard, making sure you get it done. And the consistency will take care of itself. And then before you know it, you look back and you don't even recognize yourself and how far you've come. Yeah. This is amazing. 
Um, and I love, especially earlier, you said, I'm going to remove time from the equation. Do you think that's a hang up for people that they just are so focused on time? How, how do I, how can I be like C-Rock, Cardone? How can I get what they have right now? Not realizing that what Grant's 62, 63. Mm-hmm. And he, his story, he's told 18 zillion times starting at 25, you know, coming off drug addiction, all this kind of like it required time and he was consistent. He was committed and he was clear on where he wanted to be going. Um, how do you how do you convey appropriately the importance of removing time from the equation so that you can stay committed and focused on being, you know, boringly consistent? Yeah. Well, and by the way, it's not boring once you hit the, hit the target. Yeah, so, of course. Right. Um, but, but, you know, and the, by the way, the target's got to be something that you're so damn excited about that it makes you like, you feel my energy right now. I hope you feel my yeah, energy through this. 100%. And, and, and before I go into further on that part of that, I want to exp- uh, sp- uh, explain one thing to you. I don't care what people think of me and no, neither should you, not you, Michael, but anybody that's listening, right. You included, <laughs> but you should care about how people experience you. Right. So when I come on a podcast today, my intention is to have you experience me in a certain way that when you hang up this Zoom call, you push whatever to end it. You're like, damn, dude, holy cow, man. I need to go get a, take a break or something, man. That dude's got some, I mean, he's hit me. Right. That's the, I'm, that's what I'm concerned with. And that's what everybody should be paying attention to. Not what people think of them. Mm-hmm. So getting back to the, the time thing with, to me, I want to make sure that you know, I, I, it took me a little while to figure all this out. Right. And I turned 40 something and I, I was like, shit, man, I, I wasted all this time in my life. Like I need to move fast. Now I have a window that's shrinking. I don't know how big that window is, but I know that I need to accomplish what I want to accomplish is in a, in a quicker time. And I realized that when I was scared, the more time I let pass, the more scared I got. Right. And so I started trying something. I, try, I started trying just doing things as soon as I think of it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. And then uh, like Ben Stiller and uh, Starsky and Hutch, do it. Come on, do it. Um, I, I just started doing that. And I realized, holy shit, man, I'm not scared of anything anymore. I don't, I don't fear anything. Yeah. I climbed up a mountain in Scottsdale. Uh, it was scary shit looking. It was high. It was ragged, ragged, jagged. The people looked like ants when I looked at them from... But you know what? I just, I said, you know what? Let's go. Let's move. Let's get started. Yeah. Just keep going. One step at a time. Just go, go, go. And before you know it, we're at the top summit, taking pictures, panoramic, felt like very exhilarating. Um, But yeah, it's just an example of uh, how fear is fueled by time. Yeah. I, you know, this is interesting. You might be the one of very few people that I've had a conversation with who uh, have said, I'm not afraid of anything. And I've tried to articulate that to people. I can't explain it. I just know that I don't, I'm not afraid of anything. You know, like I don't have many fears. Um, maybe some of them have been premeditated to the degree that I'm just not afraid of them, them anymore. But like you, you're the first person that I've talked to in a long time who shares that sentiment. And for a moment here, I feel very happy that somebody doesn't think I'm an idiot for admitting that. Cause like usually people are like, Oh yeah, come on. You're afraid of something. What if, you know, this and that happened and this and that. And it's like, you know, but I, I've, I'm of the sentiment that uh, I'm the actor, not the acted upon. 
Therefore, there are an infinite number of things within my control that I can do something with, even when I think everything's been taken away from me. Whereas mm -hmm. most people just like shut down when they're like, oh man, this happened to me. And now this, I can't do this and I can't do that. I'm like, oh man, this happened to me, but I can do this. I can do that. I can weave, I can bob, I can ebb, I can flow. So that's really interesting. Do you think that just comes from confidence in these, I guess these three C's that produce confidence, like, you know, you're committed, you know, you've got clarity, you know, that you're consistent. Is that, does that produce confidence yeah. to remove fear? Yeah. Because anytime I start to get down that road, I would just go back to those things there or just remind myself of the rocket fuel law. What are you scared of? Okay. I'm scared if this happens. Well, you're going to use it as rocket fuel anyway, and it's going to propel you further. So why that's like, you're driving down the road, you're looking for gas stations, you're looking for problems. Like you're, you're looking mm -hmm. for things that would normally scare people because they're going to run and you're going to go to it and grab it and put it in your tank to use it as fuel. And I also look at this, Michael, I look at growing up or not growing up, being born. And when I shot out, I'll leave it at that. I was butt naked. I didn't know how to talk. I could barely see. I didn't understand language. Oh, yeah. I didn't know anything. Yeah. And I made it right yeah. now. What's the worst thing that can happen? I lose my shirt, my clothes, my house, and I'm butt naked again, standing in the street. But now I know how to talk. I have all my experience and wisdom and I have the rocket fuel law. Right. So, so, and by the way, one other thing, most people are scared because one, they don't know where they go when they die. I'm committed and, and, and sure of where I'm going. I know I'm a spiritual being. The other thing is, uh, this is, this is a, this is a good one. But the other thing is there, the people are worried about what people think. Like if you had to, if you had to go bankrupt and file bankruptcy and nobody found out about it, nobody, except for the creditors who you don't care anyway, it's a big company, right? right. Nobody found out about it. Yeah. You lost your car, your house. Nobody ever found out. Now I don't know how that's possible. Nobody found out. Would you think it was that big a deal? Really? You know, that's the question we have to ask ourselves. So then really what it comes down to is you're worried about what people think of you. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you don't care about what people think of you, but you're more worried about your experience that you give people, then that cures all the, fear, the, the fears. So there's several things that go into it. But at the end of the day, you know, we all have emotions and I start to, I start to get a, a, some kind of feeling. And as soon as it kicks in, I recognize it as, as fast as possible and I take action on it. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this because you, you've now, I, I'm thinking about something as you say this. What about in a circumstance? Let's say I'm an employee. So I'm a car sales professional or I'm a tech, you know, I'm um, a technician or I work in one of the other departments. Um, I am in somebody else's, for, for, for sake of, for lack of better words, I am in somebody else's ecosystem where the, the culture is that they are putting a report in front of me, constantly showing me where they think I measure mm -hmm. uh, up. How do I... Um, how do I reconcile what you just said about kind of the, the, this rocket fuel law, not worrying about what other people think when I think so many people are in an environment potentially where it's all about what their senior thinks of them? How do you, how do you navigate that? Or how do you speak to the, the individual that might feel that way? Well, first of all, you got to take ownership and, you know, responsibility, like I talked about before with deciding where you want to work. A lot of people think that they're stuck in their jobs, right? And you chose to work there. You have to accept the job. Now, if you accept the place and you're not aligned with the, the core values or the most companies don't even have core values, then right. you chose that, right? 
So it's really more about what you chose and took responsibility to do. You have to own it. Where you are right now is because of the decisions you make, the actions and the words you spoke or didn't speak. That's, that's where you are right now. So first of all, that's where you are is on you. And you, until you take ownership of that, you're going to be controlled by others. And that's why people feel controlled in those situations because they don't take ownership and they're giving the ownership to someone else. So that's number one. Number two is when you go to, whether you're an employee, an employer, a husband, wife, whatever it is, every day I wake up, I try to be the most valuable person I can possibly be. And then at the end of the day, I assess how I did with that. Now, I don't wait the end of the week. I don't wait a month. I don't not do it at all. I, I do it every single day. How did I communicate today? Did I reach my targets? Was I valuable as possible that I possibly could be? Was I striving for that? And when you do that in all situations, relationships or at work, and especially if you're an employee and you're doing more than you're paid for, you're never going to have an issue because you can always go find something else if it doesn't work out there. Or if they start getting rid of jobs for, because of the economy, it's like the old analogy with the bear. I don't have to run as fast as a bear. I just had to outrun you, right? <laughs> so if you're in an office and you are the most valuable person, you ain't going anywhere. Right. You know, so those are the things that, uh, that I look at in regards to that. Man, amazing. See rock. This has been a tremendous conversation about taking ownership of your life. It's your life. You got to own it. See rock. Tell me, how can we get our hands on your new book rocket fuel? So if you go to Mike forward slash book, Mike forward slash book or on Amazon, if you look up Mike C rock, you'll see it popped up there. Uh, we just launched May 3rd hit bestseller list. And um, I'm excited to get that into people's hands. And also, you're definitely going to want to engage me, engage with me on LinkedIn or Instagram. Uh, reach out to me because we're doing some big, big things in the tech space. Non-tech entrepreneurs, we're teaching them how to get into the tech space and have all the things that they don't have and utilize the things they do have to create tech companies. It's a phenomenal thing. I partnered up with a guy named Jared Yellen, just a fantastic guy and opportunity. And I have a new tech product called Blueprinted that's on its way out uh, in the next 60 days. Amazing, man. Thanks so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook Appreciate podcast. you, Michael. Thank you, man. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. If you're ready to make big changes in your life and career and want to connect with positive, nurturing automotive professionals, join my exclusive DPB Pro community on Facebook. That's where we share information, ideas, and content that isn't shared anywhere else. I can't wait to meet you there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.